Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast. You're a one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. Here we are back with you all for this week leading up to Easter Sunday, also named Holy Week in some places. Uh, so it's going to be kind of weird for you. Maybe you want to wait and wait to listen to this until this coming Sunday, or maybe you want to listen to it now. I don't know. But we're going to be talking about the resurrection story. Well, and truthfully, it's interesting, David, that you just phrased it that way, because we were just talking about this at Christ Church earlier, and that we all need some hope right now. So maybe even in the midst of Holy Week, that hearing a little gospel reflection on Easter is not entirely a bad thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, we talked last week uh, when Michaeline was on about that kind of like weird time warp of Holy Week anyway. So we can't escape it. It's it's part of the whole thing. Like we both know what's coming and then we also are trying to be present in the the narrative as it's unfolding and also with the eye towards, you know, what is to come, which is essentially the same reality that the gospel writers had. Mm-hmm. You know, like Luke is writing everything. Luke's gospel, which we're going to talk about today, is Luke is writing everything through the lens of the resurrection, the ascension. You know, the whole book of Acts, like everything that's going to come, Luke knows when he's telling this story. Or Luke she, knows. whoever Luke, whoever wrote Luke's gospel, mm-hmm. they know what's coming. So we can know what's coming and we can be present in the narrative and hold all of that weird time together. Uh, so we will be talking about the gospel uh, for Easter. There's two potential gospels you can hear in church if you go to church or there's two lectionary uh, options one is John's um, Easter morning reading, and the other is Luke's Easter morning reading. Similar and obviously different, since they're from two different Gospels. Since it's Luke's year, and we've talked about John's reading a number of times on the Faith to Go podcast, we're going to focus on the Luke version. And that is for this upcoming Sunday, Easter Sunday, uh, in your C, uh, April 17th, 2022. So... Before we get to it, though, we have a listener email to get to we because do. someone sent us a God sighting. So Charlotte is going to read it for us. Who is this email from? So this email comes from Mary Lockie. Um, and Mary actually reached out to us a couple of times with some wonderful feedback on the podcast and all sorts of really interesting things that she shared with us. But she offered a God sighting that I wanted to be able to share with you now. And it goes like this. I went to my first Pride Day event last September. I'm 66. My church, Grace Episcopal, had a booth to show support. There was a drag show, and after the performance, I wanted my picture made with one of the queens, Beulah Land. She graciously agreed. She saw the church t-shirt I was wearing and asked if I'm Episcopalian. I said yes. And she said she wants to get back to church. Of course I welcomed her to join us. She hasn't been yet. Our towns are half an hour apart, but we've met several times for a drink and to talk about God stuff. Flash forward to present. Next week, my college is hosting a cultural fusion event where we celebrate diversity. Beulah will be performing, and I am emceeing her part of the show. Before she performs, we're going to share the story of how we met and how we're both certain that God has brought us together. She's helping me with my novel about a drag queen, an Episcopal priest who is a lesbian, an eight-year-old orphan with cognitive challenges who is convinced God loves everyone just as they are. Cool. That's so cool. Uh, thank you, Mary. I know. 
for sending that in. We are so excited always to get listener emails and especially God sightings from people just to see what's happening in people's lives, you know, all over the country. Well, and I'm fairly sure, certain that I agree with Mary that God had a hand in, in bringing that together yeah. for sure. Absolutely. God is in our all of those relationships in, in every single way. So thank you, Mary, again for uh, sending that to us. You, you all, we would love to hear from anybody else uh, that has a God sighting or a question or a comment or a story from your week of faith discussion or reflection, whether you just, whether you listen to the podcast and have a thought or you engage with any of the resources on the My Faith to Go website, which you can find every week. They post on Monday with the podcast. You can always email us. You can contact us through the website. You can find us on Instagram and direct message us or tag us in a post. Or you can call us and leave a voicemail or send us a text message. And you can find all those ways to contact us listed in the description to this podcast episode. So scroll on down, click on something, whether it's the phone number or the email or whatever, uh, and let us know what's going on with you. What are your questions that are coming up? Where are you feeling God or not feeling God in your life this mm-hmm. week? We'd love to hear from you anytime you'd like to tell us. So uh, thank you again to Mary. And now we're going to move on to our gospel discussion. Again, we're going to be talking about the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, which is Easter Sunday in year C. Uh, keeping with year C as Luke's year, we're going to read the gospel, the option for the gospel from Luke. So that's going to be Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. Charlotte's going to read it, and then I'll give a little bit of context, and then we'll each share a point. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood before them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to the sinners, and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven, and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed by what had happened. All right, so here we are. Easter Sunday, everybody. So crazy that we're here. Um, And again, there's not really a whole lot of, there's not much to say because we all know what happens right before this. Um, in Luke's gospel and every other gospel, Jesus is arrested in Jerusalem and crucified. We heard his triumphal entry story last week on Palm Sunday. And if you went to church, you most likely also heard the, um, the passion narrative of Jesus's arrest and crucifixion. And so all that's happened is that this is the very beginning of Luke 24. The very end of Luke 23 is the fact that Jesus's body is taken and placed in this tomb. Um, and that the women, this group of women, uh, has to wait in order to prepare Jesus's body. So usually they would do that on the day that he was 
that he died, prepare him for burial, and then bury him. Or maybe they would do it the next day. But the next day is the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, you can't do any work on the Sabbath, and that would have been work. So they have to wait a whole day uh, until Sunday morning to go and prepare his body for burial. So they place him in the tomb. They cover it with the stone with the expectation that they're going to have to go back after they prepare all these spices. And then the story right after this uh, is actually not Jesus appearing to the disciples in the upper room like happens in some other gospels, but the road to Emmaus. And so we don't actually see Jesus here. We just have this kind of mystery of his absence. So that's where we are. Uh, The next few Sundays are actually going to be from back in John's gospel. So we're not going to hear the road to Emmaus uh, in this these first weeks of the Easter season. Usually we'll hear it right mm-hmm. after Easter, but uh, not this year. We're back into John this year. So anyway, that's where we are. The very beginning, first 12 uh, verses of Luke chapter 24. And there's a, there's more to Luke's gospel after this because there are resurrection appearances. Um, and then that'll be it. So that takes us to Charlotte's point. That's right. Point number one. Well, and mine has to do with some of the mystery, I guess, of all of this. And Easter is a mystery, right? Like that is the way it happens and all of the pieces that go into it. I think that they invite us into this sleuthing mode of trying to figure it all out and wonder about it and consider it. And I was thinking as I read the gospel this week that there are a lot of emotions listed at the beginning of this, right? Like the women are first perplexed um, and then they are terrified Um, And so all of these things that happen, it's like shock and awe, (laughs) right? Um, Confusion, shock and awe. And what it must be like to be in that place of whirling emotions and conditions in it. And then to feel like you are forced to move. Like in that instance, it's like, oh my goodness, all of this overwhelm is actually driving me from this place and I'm running right? To, to go and tell somebody about what I've seen. And in all likelihood, I don't know. I mean, obviously we don't get to know it's not in the text, but in my head, I don't know if the point of that was for somebody else to have shock and awe with you or for somebody to help you figure it out, right? Like I, I, it could, again, like we were just saying a minute ago, it could kind of go either way. And I think that our really human inclination in almost all things is to try to figure it out. Um, and to figure out what's happening. Either that or the other really human thing is to dismiss it. (laughs) So either we're going to do the deep dive and do all the research and figure it out and see what's happening, or we're going to be like, nope, I'm not looking at that. I'm going another way. And we actually got the latter reaction in this, right? Because the women who went running to, um, to tell about it, they were fully dismissed. Um, In fact, they were, it was an idle tale, um, scandalous. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about that and consider what that means in this gospel and and what it means to live into the resurrection story, I wonder for me at least what it would be like to sit deeply in the wonder, to allow all of these questions and emotions and uncertainties and disappearances and appearances and all of that to swirl around me and to sit in it and to notice them, but not try to solve them and not try to dismiss them. What it would feel like to sit in that space 
it's not a space that I'm really comfortable with. I actually think that uncertainty for most of us is an uncomfortable place in general. And so it diminishes our capacity to wonder and consider things because as soon as something feels uncertain, we either dismiss it or we try to solve it. And so in this Easter, as we read this gospel, instead of dismissing the story that the women tell or knowing the end, like maybe you've read ahead and, and you know what's happened, um, but instead to sit in the wonder of this moment of Jesus, their beloved, who had been crucified and laid in this tomb. And then they've done all of their preparations and gone to care for the body at this point. But there isn't a body. There's just the cloths lying there. And if we sat in that place, in that place of wonder of what it would be like to, to be there in that moment, in the absence of the resurrected Jesus, how would that inform our Easter experience? Yeah, I love that. And I love, it's interesting because if you hear, if you read, if you hear, if you go to church and you hear the John version of this gospel, or if you go to to the lectionary and look up the the reading from John for this Easter Sunday, Jesus is there. There is a, it's this, like the first half of the story is essentially this, but John's version with Mary going and telling the disciples and Peter running and running away. And, and then there's this second act of it where Mary is left there and then Jesus appears and she thinks he's a gardener or whatever. So you do get kind of a, you, you get kind of more of a conclusion, though it's very clear that it's un, that like everyone is very confused and they don't know exactly what's going on. It's not, what's cool about this one is just like you're saying is like it is so unfinished and it leaves room for just remaining in that lack of clarity, that uncertainty mm -hmm. of not knowing what is, you know, something has happened, but you don't know what, right. You know, they're still trying to put all the pieces together. And I was looking at the, I was looking at the, the Greek of this verse and this, this word they were, while they were perplexed about this. It was such an is an interesting word because it only it only there's only used a couple times in the New Testament, but this word perplexed is like it literally means like they're out of resources. Mm -hmm. Like the root word is resources or like knowing what to do or having some like some idea and then it's negated. And so it's like they have no they don't know where to go. Like they are out they've run out of their ability to know what's going on. Like they've reached the end of how of their sense-making ability, mm -hmm. you know? And that's what this is. This is like a paradigm shift in how we view the world. You know, that was, that's what this resurrection narrative is. It's like people coming up to the end of their ability to make sense and then being invited to go further. And they don't, there is no way forward. They don't know the no. way. So the only way, like you're saying, is to just be there. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus kind of finds you there. You know, like they're, they're, they're all kind of like making their way forward in this new reality. Like we don't know what happened. There's this incredible mystery. Jesus is somewhere. We don't know where did someone take his body? Did, is he, right. what did, you know, like they're reminded of this resurrection thing, but what does that mean? Like this never happened before. <laughs> so, you know, and then we have the appearances later on of like these two disciples decided they're going to leave Jerusalem, you know, and go back, go to Emmaus. And then Jesus finds them there. And in, and then in that story, it's almost like that is their response to this uncertainty. They are like trying to make a way forward one step at a time. But this new world, it's like a whole new world and they don't know what to do. And so 
their it's like the invitation is to be with these people yeah. to be with them out of resources because we all have the moment mm-hmm. when we're out of resources when we come to the end of our capacity to make sense of right. what has happened when we come to the end of our capacity to make a way forward and yet there always is something next to do mm-hmm. but we don't necessarily have to know what that is yeah well and david one of the things that just struck me as you were speaking is that it's much easier to sit in the uncertainty and the wonder when you don't have to sit there by yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of, that brings me to my point, my point because I want to talk about this group of women and thinking about that, like communal reality, like what the only individual person who's doing anything is Peter. Peter's just running around <laughs> by himself. <laughs> Poor Peter. <laughs> but the women are like, <laughs> the women are kind of like our model for mutual support. <laughs> you know, it's not just because it is. Uh, un, let's see, in the in the John reading, it seems like Mary is going by herself to the tomb, uh, and then she runs by herself to go tell the disciples, and they run back. She's by herself. But in this one, there is this whole group of women in Luke's gospel, and interestingly. If you, this group of women, this is not the first time this group of women has been named in the gospel because I was specifically wondering about Joanna. I really got stuck on Joanna. Yes, you did. I don't know, like, Joanna doesn't stick out in my mind. I don't know where Joanna is from, but she's specifically named here. Like, Luke names three people. Mm-hmm. Mary Magdalene, who's pretty important in all the gospels. Famous. Yeah. Mary, the mother of James, one of the disciples. And then Joanna. And then the other women. Right. You know, like Joanna was memorable enough to Luke to make an appearance. And so uh, I was wondering, where is Joanna from? Well, Luke chapter eight. Luke talks about this is way back, you know, in the in the beginning ish part of Jesus's ministry when he's still in Galilee and he's moving through these cities and healing and teaching And this is the very beginning of Luke chapter 8. Soon afterwards, Jesus went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. So just women who Jesus had encountered and who had started following him after that encounter. And whether that was being healed of something, of some spiritual illness or physical illness, Mary, called called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. Mm-hmm. Resources again. So I am just, I don't really have a very clear idea of what this point is, but I just really wanted to talk about this group of women because they're not just, there's, there's so much to them, and they only, they're only talked about a few times in the whole gospel. The, the male disciples get a lot of airtime, but who's really there? You know, who really remains? Who is doing the work? Who is witnessing? Who is like the first, like we like to talk about Mary Magdalene, the first evangelist. She is the really the first one that tells anybody about the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And really, and now in Luke, it's not just her, but it's this whole group of women. They are, they are the first evangelists. And so it almost, it strikes me that it's like you have the, this male group of disciples all hiding somewhere. <laughs> and then this female group of disciples, boom, at the tomb. Doing the work. Doing the work. Bringing the spices. 
preparing the body, like tending to Jesus, even in death, following him. And so like talking about like reaching the ends of our resources, they have reached the ends and they're continuing forward, mm. you know, and it's, it's not, I'm not trying to like shame the male disciples or anything. Their, their response is kind of paralysis. They, it's, everyone's been through trauma here, you know? And so the, the, the men are somewhere, you know, maybe they're scared for their life. Probably, probably. But the women have are like the ones that are continuing to support Jesus, even in death. And so what's also cool here is that it's it seems like the women are the ones that are supporting Jesus financially in his ministry as well. And so there's also this kind of emerge. There's this historical narrative of Mary Magdalene being like some sort of prostitute or sexually promiscuous person. That is in that is incorrect. Based on this. Mary Magdalene is like a wealthy woman who is funding Jesus's ministry, mm. you know, and not only that, but like continuing to provide resources to Jesus even beyond the grave. And we don't know really if like the woman from two weeks ago, the gospel where Mary Martha's sister, you know, pours the out the jar of nard on Jesus and anoints him. We're not we don't know if that's the same Mary. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but again, where did Mary get that much perfume? Right. Like that perfume was worth like a year's salary. Mm -hmm. So you have some like, it's just interesting. We never talk. We, not that we never, like there is the whole, there's this whole group of women that are like the foundation of Jesus's ministry. You know, they're, they're like, they have wealth, they have resources, and then there's these dudes who get all the talk, <laughs> you know, we get, they get all the airtime, but there's Mary Magdalene and Joanna and like this, this women that have been with him since chapter eight, know. you know, that's not that far after the, the 12 disciples. Hmm. And so it's like, I just have this image in my head of like these two groups of disciples that like, there's the male disciples that are hiding away and there's the female disciples, the women that are like there and they are they're with Jesus, you know, even in the depth of this mystery. And so like, just like trying to pay attention to who the people are that we're overlooking, you know, because, because they're kind of over their narrative is overlooked in this gospel. Like we have the names of all the 12 disciples, but we have like three names of these women and then the rest. And so, it just it's just interesting to think about like you know who are the people in the background uh, that are really doing the work that are like really remaining and supporting and giving of themselves their time and their resources and who like so much of who they are um, to do God's work in the world of this kind of liberating work and like not getting the credit. Well, and David, in that I hear an invitation to all of us, a call to action, even of like. Who do we notice in our everyday lives or who do we not normally notice in our everyday lives? Who is doing that foundational work? And can we learn their name? Mm -hmm. um, because even in this, like, I appreciate the fact that Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joanna are named. But there's another group of people that they don't even know by names, even to list them here for whatever reason. 
And I think that there is a propensity for all of us when we don't know someone's name or recognize their identity to just gloss by it, mm-hmm. to choose the easy way. And so where does that uncomfortable invitation of inviting ourselves to notice and interact and ask, mm-hmm. like, what is your name? And thank you for your work. Yeah. And we, and like to pay attention to who's getting all the airtime, mm-hmm. you know, who's getting all the, the notice and who is actually doing the work that needs to be done. And those aren't necessarily the same person. Mm-hmm. And also just like thinking about Joanna again, coming back to Joanna, like to be, if she is the wife of Herod steward, like she's part of Herod's court, like the very Herod that is like yeah. sent, sent Jesus to the cross in, in some ways, you know? So like she, what courage to be part of that world and to be here at the tomb. You know, like she is, what is Joanna giving up? We are always talking about what the disciples gave up. What about these women? You know, what did they give up to be, to be followers of Jesus, you know, to become, to find themselves in this place and to respond to this trauma this way in such a courageous way. So those are our two points for this week. Pretty good. Uh, Point number one was Charlotte's and it was about this wondering, this unfinished uh, feeling of the gospel from Luke this Sunday for Easter, the not knowing, you know, what comes next. It's just knowing that something has happened, that the world is different, but not knowing how it will be in the future, not knowing where we are to go, coming to the end of our resources, you know, and then knowing that God is there with us and something will happen. And number two was mine, and it was about Joanna and all these women, you know, these incredible, this incredible group of women, this kind of, uh, parallel group of disciples um, that are responding differently in this moment. They are at the tomb. They are following Jesus even to death, witnessing to to this mystery, this in-between place, and courageously uh, following and supporting and doing this important work and not really getting the same amount of credit that the other disciples do. So having heard those two points, we'd love to hear from you. What would your third point have been if you were on the on the podcast this week? What would your God sighting have been? Or maybe you have a question or comment or a story from your week of faith discussion or reflection. You can email us. You can uh, contact us through the website, myfaithtogo.org. You can follow us or tag us on Instagram, or you can call us, uh, leave a voicemail, send us a text message. You can find all those links to contact us in the description for this episode. You can just scroll down on your phone on your computer, wherever you're listening, and click on one of those links, get in touch with us. Let us know what's going on with you. We would love to hear from you. And we will be back next week to talk about the first Sunday after Easter. Pretty exciting. It is exciting. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Bye, everybody. everybody.